Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me next week. We'll have another Locker Room uh, live podcast to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Well, uh, the end result of a Daniel Tice corner three changes the way we're talking about this basketball game, Frank. The Bucks stumble to a 121 to 119 win over Boston. They were up by 25 points at one stage and really just struggled to buy a bucket in the fourth quarter or down the stretch for sure. And they relied on a little bit of defense for multiple possessions. There was a big block for DiVincenzo. There was a nice steal in there as well. But unfortunately, uh, the game could have ended on Daniel Tyre standing in the corner completely on his own Giannis was asked about this after the game and he said that his thoughts were, oh shit. And I think that that would have been absolutely everyone's thoughts as Daniel Tice caught this ball because this almost felt like the unlosable game for the Bucs when they were rolling. The Celtics were all over the place. They looked like they just didn't even want to be playing on the same team together. Somehow they nearly pulled this off. But I don't know. Sometimes you've got to win in an ugly way. This definitely qualifies. Yeah, for, for me personally, this was an extreme, extremely... <laughs> unenjoyable way to win a game. Giannis returned to the lineup, which was nice to see, but Giannis, what we saw on the court was not so nice to see. He just, he didn't look like he had his, his burst. Um, and, uh, you know, by the fourth quarter, he was like kicking it out from the dunker spot, not looking to attack Kimball Walker. He, he looked pretty hesitant um, for much of the night. And, um, you know, as you said, obviously, uh, if, if Giannis has an off night and you, you blow out the Celtics, you still feel pretty good about where you are. But, um, you know, the fact that they obviously just got really sloppy with it and, and just did not, you know, finish the way that, you know, you obviously want, you see a team finish. Um, I, I was kind of surprised they were only at 16 turnovers. It felt like most of them were in the second half. Cause just, I, I don't know. It just felt like they took their foot off the gas and, um, you know, fortunately for the Bucks, Chris Middleton, 27 points on 20 shots, 13 rebounds, four assists. Um, he was really good. Um, hit, hit a couple of shots in the fourth quarter, sort of when, when they were kind of keeping the Celtics at arm's reach or arm's length. Um, you thought maybe, you know, Celtics would eventually just sort of run out of gas and go away. Uh, but they didn't. Um, but, you know, Chris Middleton was the best player on the floor tonight. Uh, Jalen Brown had a really hot start, but, you know, ultimately Middleton, I thought, uh, you know, made sense that he was ultimately the guy with the game high uh, in scoring, added all those rebounds, had some assists, did have five turnovers. Um, as, you know, he was kind of part of that, that sloppiness at times. Um, but again, kind of hot shooting gets the Bucks a, a big lead, but you know, it's kind of those things like when, when you're really riding that, that hot shooting and again, Bucks, Bucks at 17 out of 37 tonight from three, 46%. That's really good. 
Bobby Portis, 21 points in 17 minutes, including four of six from three. Dante, five out of six from three in going uh, for 17 points tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, the shooting was, was, uh, was there from three and overall a 121 offensive rating to match the, the total output. But uh, the Celtics eventually started hitting theirs as well, and they finished actually with 19 threes. Um, so they actually ultimately ended up hitting more threes, although it was on 47 shots, so a little bit, little bit worse uh, in terms of uh, the percentage. But, um, you know, points in the paint, also Bucks lose there without with Giannis being so subdued. Uh, Celtics 48-40 to 40 advantage in the paint, and uh, plus 12 from mid-range. Not exactly where you expect to see the Bucks winning basketball games, but they scored 16 points from the mid-range tonight. For just four points for the Celtics, and that probably is a, a you know reflective of the fact that Chris Middleton played well and Jason Tatum, uh, seven out of nineteen for eighteen points. He um, he had ended up you know getting a couple buckets sort of in the fourth quarter there, but for the most part, a, a pretty subdued performance from Tatum. So the the two mid range artists, uh, Middleton and Tatum, um, you know the fact that the Bucks really won that mid range game um, feels like it's reflected in in those two guys' stat lines. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only the only upside for me is at least going into Friday, the Bucks probably won't be very happy with themselves. <laughs> and hopefully, they're going to come out looking to uh, to prove something on Friday night when they these two teams face again. Because certainly, they didn't uh, they did not come away from this game feeling very very uh, convincing about uh, their ability to close out games. And again, you know, just one game. Ultimately, you you got to win against a team that the Celtics that as disappointing as they've been. Uh, you know, this was pretty much the full the full group from them, with with Kemba, Jalen, Marcus Smart, Tatum all healthy. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, uh, you expect more of the Bucks, and glad that they get that eighth straight win. But but certainly not not the work of art that that you would have hoped, especially in that third quarter when they had that big lead. Four turnovers in the first half, Frank. So twelve of the sixteen came in the second half, which certainly feels about right because not only were they starting to miss a few shots but when the Celtics really made their move in the third quarter there it just felt like the Bucks couldn't hang on to the ball at all and it did coincide with taking that 25 point lead and I think I messaged in our DM that geez the Celtics something along the lines of the Celtics looked completely broken because they looked frustrated with themselves they were frustrated with the officials and it didn't really feel like this was a game that they were going to be able to get back into but they did and I think the Bucks certainly helped them along there with some of the sloppiness there you mentioned the five turnovers for Chris, but Giannis and Chris combined for 10 of the 16 on this one. Uh, no surprise to anyone. Uh, Giannis, after the game, said that he felt fine. He didn't feel hesitant on that play in particular where he passed the ball out um, when he had the ball in the dunker spot there. He said that he didn't think that he caught the ball uh, you know, really cleanly, and so he saw Drew make a move, so he just decided to pass uh, all the typical stuff out of the post game. No acknowledgement that the knee was going to be an issue for him. Bud said the same thing. He was cleared to play. I'm told that he's fine. Giannis tells me he's fine, so he keeps playing. And also the same for Drew Holiday, who uh, appeared to knock knees uh, with Jalen Brown, I believe it was, in the fourth quarter there. And he looked pretty hobbled as well. But Bud said that Drew gave him the thumbs up and he stayed out there to play. So, I mean, to me, I'm kind of of the opinion that if Giannis was not 100%, and you have to understand that he's not going to tell you i mean that's what historically we know he's going to try and play through an injury there's no doubt about that um i I think the medical staff you have to trust that they wouldn't put him out there if there was any risk of of further injury i mean that would just be absolutely 
absurd, but he certainly did not look himself. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there is an injury there or he is sore per se, but with the aggression that he plays with, with the style that he likes to go downhill and all the pressure that he puts through that left leg, I couldn't see anything in particular that really stood out to me that he was trying to avoid the left knee or anything like that. But maybe mentally, as much as anything, when you play the way that he does, maybe the hesitation was just there. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully, both Drew and Giannis pull up okay tomorrow because that will be the telltale sign. And hopefully, they can back it up for this game against Boston. Uh, We can talk about the sloppiness all we want, Frank, but... I thought that at least a significant positive to come out of this game was another guy who had an injury cloud before this game, and that was P.J. Tucker. And he made his first basket, a corner three. I think he's taken four shots now, I believe, in his three games so far with Milwaukee, all from the corner. He's hit one of those, which was fun to see him knock that down. He played 18 minutes tonight. But I'll tell you what he did do on the perimeter. He switched on to Kemba Walker. He switched on to Jalen Brown. He switched on to Jason Tatum. And against all three of them, he proved to me that he's fine in terms of his ability to defend and be an impactful player in those situations. Uh, he's physical. He's, he's got that low center of gravity. He gets a great position. He's almost impossible to get around. And I was actually thinking to myself about Giannis, and we haven't seen the Rockets play the Bucks too often because of the Western Conference, whatever it may be. But P.J. Tucker is the type of guy that makes life difficult for Giannis. And we've seen that over the years because he is so, he's got that strong build where he can absorb some of the hits. Uh, he can move left to right. And, and he's an extremely physical player. And we know that Giannis sometimes doesn't get all those calls. So the point I'm making is that seeing P.J. Tucker on this team next to Giannis and next to Drew Holiday and next to Chris Middleton, I found myself thinking, okay, We're cooking with gas here. This is the type of playoff defense that you're going to see switching on the perimeter, guys being able to mix and match with different guys. And and I was excited by that from tonight if we're looking for a positive. All right, Frank, we've got a brand new sponsor on the show. That is Sport Trade. I don't know if you guys have heard about Sport Trade, but it is where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing because Sport Trade takes fantasy to the next level. A platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. A fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sport Trade is simple as player value rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points. The more points scored, the higher their value gets. Two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher the value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. We're talking about your Brooke Lopez at the all-star break here. Simply go to sporttrade.com watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at Sport Trade. That's S-P-O-R-T-T-R-A-D-E.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at SportTrade.com. And while we're talking about making money betonline.ag we know is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action because football is over we know but the nba college basketball march madness and the nhl are all in full swing right now Uh, as we've discussed and justin called me out on yesterday's show uh, they cover tv shows and maybe real world I, i don't know that's some sort of reality tv show 
I'll, I'll check it out at some point. But the point is, Bet Online has got you covered with everything. They have real up to, real updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast with Peter Bukowski that has all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Uh, it keeps you updated with every major sport with the help of our local experts, including me on today's show. So you can follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I thought it was really interesting to see. I was waiting to see if, if Bud might go back to PJ to close the game. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Brooke, Brooke had a really good game. Um, especially offensively, and and he came up with a big block on Marcus Smart. Um, you know, in the final was it twenty seconds or whatever it was, um, uh, to uh, not even twenty seconds. He he blocked it with what a couple seconds left, right? He he, I think he blocked the shot with what two point four, yes. I think was left, um, to give that sort of sideline that that the baseline out of bounds. Um, so uh, you know, on the one hand, Brook comes up with a big block. Flip side, Brook is protecting the paint and. Tice is sending screens and then Tice ends up getting wide open on <laughs> the final play of the game for that, that three pointer. So, um, you know, we kind of saw the, the pluses and minuses of, of going big in that situation. Um, and, but, but I agree. I thought PJ looked really good. And here's the thing with Tucker. I mean, he always looks like a little bit thick. Like I think if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen him, yeah. you know, you, you, if you kind of look him, he looks like eh, he's kind of out of shape, but, he kind of always has looked like, I mean, when he was playing 35 minutes a game for the Rockets going deep in the playoffs, he pretty much looked the same. He's, you know, he's only six, four, right? I mean, he's not a tall guy and he's just thick and he takes those really kind of small choppy steps, um, which, you know, I think is, is he just moves his feet really well for a guy with, with his size and strength. And yeah, it was fun watching him operate against Tatum, Brown, even Kemba, because he's just really hard to get around. And obviously um, you know, none of those guys are strong enough to really bully him. Um, you know, certainly not in the post. Uh, but but you know, the fact that he can move his feet on the perimeter and you know contest shots, even if he's obviously not going to you know just like he's not going to block a Jason Tatum fadeaway or something. But he doesn't need to, right? If if that's you know if that's what uh, the Celtics want to settle for, got to step back two point jump shots. You know, you, you kind of live with that. And I thought he did a really nice job. He had another play where he um, he let you know Tatum kind of drove drove a little bit and. PJ is so good at just slapping down on the yeah. ball yeah. as guys are going up. And um, he did a nice job slapping the ball. And I think it, it um, he got credit with a block and it, I think it bounced off of Tatum and went out of bounds. Um, so, so yeah, I thought, you know, just in terms of watching PJ Tucker tonight, uh, he had a three, you know, obviously nice to see him hit the three, but really it, I think what we're looking for is does he have that, you know, the lateral quickness still um, to, to really kind of compete with, uh, with good wings. Right. I mean, we know he can, kind of hold his own against um, bigger players. Um, and I would expect he'll, he'd still be able to do that. Just, you know, he's not getting smaller. Um, but the real test for me is, is that lateral movement. And I think this was a really good test because I mean, Tatum and Brown, Kemba, like those guys should all have some advantage, you know, driving the ball against a 35 year old PJ Tucker, but you really didn't see it tonight. And, and that was great to see. So, um, so yeah, I, I agree. I thought that was, you know, aside from Chris's big night, you know, Brooke playing well, Dante hitting a bunch of shots, Portis also hitting a bunch of shots. Um, you know, PJ's, I think the kind of 
between the box score stuff, you know, PJ's performance, I thought was, was the most encouraging just because let's admit it. I mean, we don't, we didn't know coming into this, you know, his tenure with the Bucks. I mean, what does he have left in the tank? Can he still move his feet? Can he play defense? Like, like we have, we've seen him in the past. Um, we obviously need to see more of it and he needs to stay healthy and, and then hopefully he'll get a chance to, to show what he can do for the Bucks in a playoff situation. But certainly I think early indications are, um, you know, he hasn't, noticeably lost a uh, lost a step defensively at least from what we've seen so far yeah i'm glad you met, brought up the the fact that he's six four six five i mean i'm i'm sure you know most of the people listening know that but i think with tucker and the way that his tenure finished up with the rockets or certainly last season and the way that they've used him basically playing as a center this is the crazy thing about him that sometimes you just get a little reminder that you, you'll see him guarding a Kemba Walker on a switch and really handling himself well. And he actually denied Kemba even receiving the ball a couple of times there. And you think, wow, PJ Tucker on Kemba. But then you do remember his size. And that's what makes it so crazy that he was the guy that was asked to defend Kevin Durant and players of that size as well. So yeah, he, he is over the course of his career, he's been a, a remarkable defender and um, certainly it's not about what he's doing in this game necessarily tonight, but it's the idea, as you pointed to, that ah, oh, he's still got, he still has got that in the tank, and hopefully that becomes a, a consistent thing as we go on. He did check out of the game with six fifty-six left, and Drew Holiday came in, and I would agree in general with the point, and I certainly had a few people on Twitter asking why he wasn't in the game because I think as far as teams that you feel totally fine with rolling with not only Giannis at the five or PJ at the five, you know, whatever, whatever you want to um, describe that as. But uh, I think that he played 11 minutes and 12 minutes in his first two games. He had that little ankle tweak. He did actually get up to uh, 18 minutes, 48 seconds tonight. So, you know, six minutes is a significant jump, particularly for the guy that hasn't played a lot. So I, I do just wonder and, and maybe this is me being a little optimistic uh, for what you could see in a potential playoff series. Who knows? But that was certainly my thought as I was watching it, that they were just, uh, again, monitoring PJ and, and not overworking him early, uh, ultimately in a game that, I mean, if you want to try PJ Tucker against the Celtics down the stretch in a game, then do it in two nights' time. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it wasn't absolutely critical that it happened tonight, but I agree if this was a playoff game, yes, I, I, it's a situation where you'd feel um, good about uh, having PJ in that closing lineup. Yeah, and it'll, I, I think it would be interesting if, if to see if they went a little different approach, uh, perhaps on on Friday. Hmm. Uh, I think part of it tonight was just because Burke was also having a good offensive night, yeah. um, and you know we've seen a couple times Chris going for lobs to Brooke um, or or Giannis late in games, and and now a couple times now late. That they haven't been able to make a connection. I actually, they didn't show any replays of it. Um, Chris threw a lob for for Brooke uh, right at the rim. I, I forget how much time was left. I think it might have been in, was it inside of a minute or inside two minutes. Um, and I, I really would have loved to see the replay because I, I on on watching it live, I thought they may have just jumped up and tried to foul him, um, and there was no call on it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. You know, again, Brooke continuing to look pretty good offensively and really doing the damage inside the paint. Uh, just one out of five tonight on threes, but six out of nine inside the arc, which, you know, again, it, when he's able to be not so dependent on that three-point shot and, and you know, do what he can do around the basket or as a rim roller, uh, you know, as, as we've been seeing here really for, for a while now, he just becomes, uh, you know, I think a much more interesting dynamic weapon for the Bucks, uh, that, you know, when he's not just floating around the perimeter, chucking threes. So, um, 
but but I agree. I think it would have been interesting to see how you know if if they would have had uh, any different luck uh, late if uh, if Tucker had stayed in the game, um, just give them a little more switchability. But we will see. We'll see. We got one more look at these guys on Friday night, um, and I, that's the one downside of of you know the the Bucks rotation right now is uh, you know, PJ is Giannis's direct backup, right? So they're just naturally not going to play a lot of time together. Um, just because Portis is coming in as the backup to Brooke and, and PJ is coming in for the backup to Giannis. So, you know, I, I would say unless it's kind of crunch time and Bud feels he needs to go to that pairing, um, you know, you're, you may have, we've seen it kind of at the like late second quarter type situations um, and, uh, or, or you may see it, you know, again, late in games, but it's not something you're going to probably see um, much during kind of an average like first or second quarter or sorry, first or third quarter, unless, unless Bud feels like they really need to, to go kind of a different look. Well, I think this is going to be the interesting thing with Bobby Portis. I mean, we've referenced, or well, certainly I have, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Frank, but referenced the PJ Tucker acquisition as some Bobby Portis insurance. And Hey, we go back to opening night against the Celtics. I think Portis had two points. Uh, we were having discussions that it was only one game, but we were saying, Oh, well, you know, hopefully he, he proves himself to be more of an offensive factor because he kind of, kind of has to be now Bobby came up with some totally fine defensive plays tonight and there's no doubt about it he hustles on the glass he tries hard I don't think there's any any question mark over his effort for sure but uh, tonight when you're talking about mixing and matching lineups and like you referenced potentially playing Giannis and PJ next to each other it's not going to happen or those opportunities are going to be even more reduced when you get 21 (laughs) in 16 minutes or 17 minutes out of Portis as well he was having one of those one of those really, really good nights that I guess it feels like we haven't seen as frequently in the last few weeks here um, from Bobby. Uh, Sam Merrill came in and played. Bryn Forbes missed this game with the toe injury. Uh, so, a- again, you know, Bud really at this point is basically playing a nine-man rotation. I was pleased that we got Thanasis into the game. Uh, if for nothing else, the fact that Giannis and Thanasis were able to link up again because those two guys haven't really played with each other much at all over the, the really the two years that uh, that he's been in the lineup. So that was at least a fun moment, just seeing the the absolute joy on Thanasis' face from finishing off a pass from Giannis there and Sam Merrill played the guard minutes. But again, um, you would expect that Bryn Forbes would come in. But more than anything, I think, again, it does highlight the fact that the Bucks are probably going to look to add a guard here moving forward because, um, you know, if you do have an injury to any of those guys, whether it is Dante or uh, Bryn, uh, Drew, any of those guys that really play big minutes, Pat Connaughton, then you are uh, throwing the rookie in there. And he knocked down a three and it was fine. But in the playoff rotation, when you're looking to really tighten it up with eight or nine guys, I think um, perhaps a, a veteran that they could put in there would be a, an option that we're looking for. And we are obviously uh, under 24 hours until the trade deadline here. Uh, Dante, similar to Brooke Lopez, since the All-Star break has seen his scoring average go, go up, but his three-point percentage come down. Now, tonight, obviously, he was five for six from three. But both of those guys are in a nice little rhythm at the moment. And the one thing I'll say is this. When you get a night like this out of Dante more than anything, um, you, you really want to win those matchups when he's shooting hot from three because we do know uh, that uh, just as likely he, he may, have, may have an off night just around the corner here. All right, it's time to talk about rockauto.com now, Al. Long-time sponsor of the podcast. We love the crew over at rockauto.com. It's the family business 
that has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. They've got everything you need, all the parts you can possibly imagine for your car. If there's any issues there, you'll be able to resolve it at rockauto.com. I can guarantee that. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever it is, it will be there. And the best thing about it is that it's super easy to navigate the catalog online. So uh, even if you are a, uh, let's just say a car rookie like I am, you can still go on there and find exactly what you are looking for, which is very, very handy, particularly in these days where people still, they don't want to be walking around a store with a bunch of people. Being able to do it online is the best part about it. So go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and then make your way over to builtbar.com because uh, we have officially reached the flavorful four or the enticing eight to get into the flavorful four i should say so uh, i mentioned yesterday justin will be disappointed coconut brownie chunk moved through until the enticing eight but today's matchup cookies and cream versus coconut almonds now there is a lot of coconut that is involved in the enticing eight. Three out of the eight bars are coconut. So I'm going to go with cookies and cream here if you're asking me to vote. Uh, but we know Built Bar, already the best tasting protein bar on the market. Low, uh, low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber, and 100% covered in chocolate. You can go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built to check out the Built Bar Madness bracket. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. You know, Dante, obviously, we, you know, we, we talk a bit about you know, his, his finishing challenges. We talk about some of the gambling on defense. Um, I, I, I mean, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, you know, we're now over halfway in a season. I mean, he's going to be above 38% on threes yeah. after, after this game for sure. He might be up to 39%. Um, I would have to do the math. He's, he was at 37 and a half coming into this game. Um, you know, almost uh, 11 points a game, five and a half rebounds over three assists. Uh, you know, it's funny The I think I, I saw, you know, some, some comments the other day, um, you know, uh, Gary Wolfel, I guess, tweeted something after Lonnie Walker had, uh, you know, his, his like career high game, uh, against the Bucks, And, and so, you know, Gary was tweeting as though, you know, it was some like huge, huge error that the Bucks made in, in picking Dante over, over Lonnie Walker. And, um, you know, like I, I, it kind of always kills me because it's like, look, I, I get it. Like Lonnie Walker probably looks, um, you know, he's stronger. He, he, he kind of maybe looks more like, uh, a better option than, than a Dante DiVincenzo, but, I mean, he's shooting 52% true shooting this year, like way below average. He's, uh, you know, below Dante in terms of three-point shooting. He's never been a great three-point shooter. Um, you know, when he's when he's playing well, okay, I get it. Like Lenny Walker is is an interesting player, but um, you know, overall, uh, he's a guy that you know, look, he hasn't really like kind of flashed and and to to act like you know, he's he's some clearly better player than Dante. Um, 
is just kind of ignoring the reality of what both guys have done so far uh, in the NBA. So shout out to Dante. I mean, I think, you know, if you told us at the beginning of the season that we'd be, um, you know, 40, 43 games into the season and Dante would be shooting, you know, 38, 39% from three and, um, you know, doing, doing kind of a little bit of everything uh, the way that we've seen him in the past. And, um, you know, again, he, he's got his rough patches, his rough edges. Uh, but for, for a guy who, you know, this is barely played his rookie year, obviously kind of had a really nice second season last year, kind of establishing himself. And this year, jumping into that starting role and, and having to figure out, you know, how he kind of blends in with uh, a really talented starting group where he's the fifth option. Um, I think he deserves a lot of credit, um, you know, just the fact that he's been able to maintain a, you know, overall a pretty high consistent level. And, and we'll see. I mean, maybe he has a huge shooting slump and he drops into the low 30s from three. Um, you know, we don't know. But I think certainly to to this point in the season, you have to feel pretty good about where Dante is, you know, especially as a guy that, you know, you almost dealt in the, in the, in the off season, um, you never know how guys are react. And I think he's obviously reacted in, in a positive way. And, you know, he's obviously, he'll be extension eligible this summer. I don't know that the bucks are going to extend him, uh, given kind of other competing kind of salary stuff. And they might want to be a little more wait and see with that. But, um, but I think, you know, Dante's, uh, again, just, you know, uh, people want to knock him and then he always just kind of comes back with a, with a really good game. And, um, hit some big shots and he's, he's not afraid of it. Not afraid to take, not afraid to take shots, try to, you know, make big plays. And, um, tonight thought he, he did a nice job again. Well, it's not hard to see or not hard to understand why no one listens to that guy or respects his opinion, because if you just take a quick look at the numbers, they're both playing exactly the same minutes. Dante is averaging one fewer point, which makes sense considering that he is the fifth option on this team, but he's getting you more rebounds, more assists. He's shooting better from three. His usage percentage is lower and his true shooting percentage is better. So, I mean, it, it, I'm sure he tuned into that one game and he, he had that, that uh, tweet in his drafts for a long, long time there, but it's uh, utterly absurd. And I agree with you. I think that it's very easy to look at Dante and the role that he has on this team and then look at other younger players that you may think are contributing more. But you have to, of course, translate their role into the offense. And yes, you mentioned it. We talk about the fact that from time to time, he misses shots around the basket that you'd like to see him finish. And you certainly hope that the development is going to be there. But for a fifth starter, again, you're talking about Brooke and Dante getting you double digits basically every single night. They're averaging double digits uh, points per game and that's behind Drew and Giannis and Chris and that's their role to take the shots when they're there they're not dominant players they're not getting a whole lot of touches but they're just there to make the most of it and the three-point percentage 26% as a rookie 33% in year two and now it's up to 38% uh, this season as well so uh, you know with everything that went on in the offseason and the fact that it probably would have been easy for him to have a bad attitude coming into this season and feel uh, disrespected or feel like he was unwanted around this team to, to then come in and slip into this starters role and have the impacts that he has you know, defensively as well. I agree with you, Frank. That's a good call to give Dante some credit because I do think that uh, a lot of the times he's, he is unfairly judged and a lot of that goes back to the trade. A lot of that goes back to the draft, but I always have to, like I said, insert these players into what their situation would be in Milwaukee. And as far as a young guy in year three that's starting for a team that's hoping to contend for a championship, I think that some of the criticism is a little bit uh, too harsh here. I, I don't know if there was anything else from this game that you wanted to mention at all, Frank, but we are super, super close to the deadline now. What, what do we want to finish up on? Yeah, honestly, I, 
even though the that the trade deadline is always on a Thursday, I for some reason today I I saw the Woj the Woj and Low special is happening, and I yeah. in my head was just thinking like, oh, maybe the trade deadline is today. Um, and in which case I would have been happy because I just kind of want to get it over with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, given the Bucks, it's kind of already made their move, and I I would prefer that no other teams kind of make big moves in the east just because uh you know kyle lowry is probably the big piece here that that we're waiting to see if he gets moved with uh, miami and, and philly being kind of tipped as, as potential suitors um yeah i i don't i don't know i don't know It'll be interesting to see if if the bucks do make any more moves i mean you know i i, I think i don't know what they would do uh to to kind of further kind of make make another move tomorrow i think the main thing for me is, you know, you've got this second round pick from the Rockets that, that has some value. Uh, you've got Rodion's Kurix's contract that you could certainly move for, for maybe somebody that you actually want to play. Um, and then you've got two open roster spots. So I, I think given where they are relative to the tax, you know, I don't think they're not going to go, you know, use that trade exception. They got a $4.9 million trade exception out of the, uh, out of the trade with the Rockets as well, which is actually a pretty useful uh, trade exception to have in your back pocket. But I think that's something that you'll look for them to potentially use in the offseason. You know, essentially, it'll let them um, take back you know almost five million dollars in salary without having to send back matching salary. But I think more likely that's something that they might use in the summer because you know, look, they're they're under the tax right now. They can sign two more buyout guys without going over the tax. So I don't really know what else they might do and. I think, you know, kind of the point we were talking about the other day, I mean, when healthy, there's not really enough, there's not really a, an obvious kind of guy that you would want to replace in the rotation at this point. Um, you know, I think the, the big rotation is pretty much set, right? It's Brooke, Bobby, Giannis, and, and PJ. Uh, your wing rotation, you know, again, I, Pat Connaughton has just played so well. Like, are, who are you trading that's going to take Pat Connaughton's job? I, I just don't see something obvious that could happen there. And uh, I think the one obvious position I think you'd want to add somebody in would, would be that, you know, kind of backup combo guard spot. Um, but is that a guy that you're going to actually want to play? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Right. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked way more about Austin rivers than we probably would want to. I'm glad uh, you brought him up. It, it's it, it, until he doesn't sign with the Bucks, uh, and you're on this you're podcast. No, you are. You can't help yourself. You have to bring him up. And then you deny that yeah, he's yeah. your guy, but you, you keep mentioning yeah. Austin Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think that's the thing, right? I, I think at this point, um, my my most likely scenario, I think, is the Bucks <laughs> don't make any more trades. Yeah. They sign, you know, they can sign two more guys uh with with uh, you know, kind of buyout type guys. And then uh, but I would view those guys as probably players that aren't likely to play mm. most nights. Um, because you just don't really need anybody else right now and uh, i mean unless unless they got and again i you know i don't see them signing lamarcus aldridge or something like that right so uh, if you're getting the austin rivers types you're getting guys that are going to have a hard time cracking the rotation as it currently stands and they're real, really more injury insurance so um uh, so that that would be my kind of unexciting take on on the trade deadline but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rule anything, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, but I think, again, if there, if there is a move, it, to me, it would probably just be like, you know, Kuroks plus the second round pick or something like that. It's it's not going to be, you know, a, a a deal involving multiple players. I think you've, you've kind of made that move at this point. 
for this year. Um, so, so yeah, probably kind of a quiet, most likely a quiet day for the Bucks uh, on deadline day, but will be much more interesting to see what Philly, Miami, et cetera, do uh, Boston with, with their big trade exception. We'll be more interesting to see what, what those teams do and if they try to really reshuffle the deck a bit. I, I actually, uh, I mean, especially, you know, we saw Marcus Smart again tonight. Um, he was guarding Giannis and Giannis was guarding him when they were both in the game. Um, I, I would happily see the, the Celtics trade Marcus Smart. There were some, some rumors of, you know, potentially Smart and whether they would give him up in an Aaron Gordon trade, which kind of surprised me that Smart was, you know, even being discussed as, as a potential salary guy in a, in a trade like that. Um, much else. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's pretty much kind of, they have all these random young guys that, that really don't play and haven't made an impact and, and they've got Tristan Thompson's salary, but, uh, but I, I, I think that's the, you know, what, what, what is it really, what's the point for someone else to ship you a good player if, if you're giving back Tristan Thompson's salary and, you know, <laughs> a, a mediocre first round pick, right. You're, you're probably not going to get a, a very good, um, a very good player back. So, um, so yeah, I, I, for me, no news would be good news tomorrow uh, in terms of trades. <laughs> Teams just stay where they are. I would probably be most happy with that. And then, you know, then the question just becomes who do the Bucks go after with those those two open roster spots? So we'll see. Yeah, we've mentioned this, but uh, I think tonight we saw Forbes obviously out. You got two minutes from Thanasis and eight from Merrill. So those two guys. Essentially, at this point, have been squeezed out of the rotation, and particularly when Forbes comes back in. So, I do agree that I don't think that the guy that's going to be added, um, it, more than anything, it will provide some depth. They've got the two open roster spots, as you pointed to there. But it does look like Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell are doing their farewell tour uh, post game after the Raptors game today. So, we'll be on red alert for wherever those two guys end up. Uh, just one last note here, Frank. I, I mentioned this on yesterday's pod, and uh, uh, I think I jinxed it with that Brooklyn game. They didn't have Kyrie. They didn't have KD. I thought if they had have lost, then the Bucks would have gone up to second. Well, as we're recording here, the, the Nets without James Harden again tonight as well, it should be pointed out, they're down nearly 40 to the Jazz. So they're going to lose that game. And I do believe the Bucks will move up to, into second, which, you know, they've won 13 out of 14 games now, Frank, and they hadn't been able to really gain any ground at all on Philadelphia or Brooklyn, who just keep on winning. So... Uh, that'll be at least nice to see that the Bucks get some benefit in the standings out of this hot stretch. And also, it just emphasizes how important it was that they hung on tonight. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to get Giannis back, have a 25-point lead in the third quarter, and then to blow a game uh, you know, on a night when the Nets are, are basically fielding their C team uh, in Utah would have been a real kick in the junk uh, for, <laughs> for those of us hoping the Bucks can move up in the standings. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think, and, and again, I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of felt like the Bucks were, were kind of poised to make a run here, but uh, they, they obviously have, have done that and they just have not gotten benefit of, of any uh, bad luck from, from the teams they're chasing. And um, you know, Sixers have, I mean, Sixers have been really good. I mean, defensively like no one I mean we saw with the Bucks too granted a lot of that was just Bucks missing threes but it seems like every team the, the Sixers play just misses a whole lot of shots <laughs> the Sixers defense for whatever reason does not seem to miss Joel Embiid at all um and tomorrow they have the Lakers uh who obviously are in a world of hurt themselves so Sixers get a break catching the Lakers without LeBron and AD um Bucks most likely are going to get that same benefit, of course, uh, here coming up pretty soon. But um, 
who knows? Hey, you know, I'm 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 rooting for for Dennis Schroeder and, and Montrez Harrell to really really go off uh, on on <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> Maybe give a, give the Bucks a little bit of help, but um, at least the the Nets will uh, will finally lose a game here. Um, albeit they had to lose literally all their their superstars to uh, to lose a game. So um, so we'll see. Bucks need to kind of keep the pressure on, and hopefully Friday they they don't suffer any sort of letdown. Uh, they don't suffer. Let's just hope we see more of the you know, quarters one through three bucks on Friday, uh, rather than the fourth quarter bucks, uh, when, when these teams rematch. Yeah. 121, 119, the bucks hang on tonight. We'll see him again in a couple of days, but tomorrow's pod, uh, whether the bucks make a move, whether it's the other teams in the East will definitely be wrapping up all the action from the trade deadline there. So make sure you check your feed, uh, tomorrow for a podcast to follow up the uh the trade deadline there and uh, it's a nice reminder that uh, when we look at the standings after the five game losing streak the bucks were 16 and 13 now 29 and 14 it lo- it's looking a lot more like what we've come to expect over the last two seasons and it's fun to see the bucks uh, going on a nice run like this like i said we'll be back tomorrow with frank and myself stay safe we'll catch you guys then <laughs>